0: What an encouraging uh, story about our life many times with God. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to welcome you to church today. We're so grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedule to come out and worship God with us. And if you're a guest with us this morning, you are a very special guest. And you and I have something in common because I'm a guest here as well. And uh, really, the, the Lighthouse Church is really one of my favorite places that has become to come and worship God. And I hope that if you're visiting this morning, that this will also become one of your favorite places to come and worship God as well. Uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we are in the midst of a series where we're studying uh, the series title, When God, uh, that really explains the frustration that many of us have when we feel uh, God is not answering our prayers or God is being inattentive. And really understanding that this is common and that this is something that even in the midst of, we can trust and believe in God. But we're going to do something this morning, maybe a little bit different, but that I think is going to be good for us. Is we're going to begin this morning with a question. And it's a question that every single one of us at one time of our lives, in our lives, is asked. And uh, if you're a Christian, you've asked this. If you're not a Christian, you've asked this, or maybe this is probably the reason why you have not become a Christian. Uh, If you're even in another religion, you've asked this, or if if you don't believe in God, or you just believe kind of in the Star Wars, uh, you know, kind of the force out there somewhere. You know, I know May the 4th was uh, Star Wars Day, you know, a couple days ago. And even then, you've asked this question as well. And the question is, why doesn't God do something about that? You know, the funny thing about it and for all of us, it's not hard for us to think about that right now. When you when that question has been asked, you're already thinking about that. You know, you already know, OK, what is that that maybe you're sitting right next to that? Maybe that is back home. You know, maybe you work for that or maybe you work with that or maybe you're in the PTA with that or maybe you're in school and class with that, you know, and, and you, it's already in your mind and it could be something like that or it could be something serious like an illness. Or it could be, uh, you know, something you saw on TV, some catastrophe or something. But we can all think of that, that. And I want all of us to participate at this time with this question, because it's really important. If you've ever asked this question, either out loud or in your mind or maybe a version of this question, go ahead and raise your hand if at one point you've asked this question. Why doesn't God do something about that? Now, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Everyone look around. That's almost everybody, right? except for the ones that maybe didn't understand the question. <laughs> right, but everyone else raise their hand now. If you get to go, if you if this is, you know, if you go home at this time, after that, I mean, that's a big enough lesson to understand that difficult times, we all go through this. It's common for us, and it's important for us to understand the answer to this question, why doesn't God do something about that? And, you know, maybe when we're dealing with something that we see on TV, we think about, okay, why doesn't God do something about that, but then we'll go get some spaghetti and we forget about it. But, you know, when it gets real is when it gets personal. Cuando es personal, ¿verdad? Cuando se trata de algo que estamos pasando realmente en nuestras vidas. When When it's something that we are going through and it's personal. And we want to know, you know, why doesn't God do something about that? You know, what's amazing is that Jesus was so concerned about this question that he actually created a that. He decided not to teach about it or to give a lesson about it, but he actually created a that, a situation. He created a that that would make people ask, why doesn't God do something about that? And then he didn't do something about that so that you and I would know how to respond when God doesn't do something about that. You follow me with that? You understand what I'm saying? In other words, Jesus created an illustration. He created a drama. He made a drama so that you and I can relate. You and I can understand. And this morning we're going to be reading from John chapter 11. If you have your Bible, we read from the NIV version. Whatever version you have, you could follow along. You could also follow along here with the screen or you could follow along with a person sitting right next to you. John chapter 11. Now, I want us, as we are going through the scripture, to ignore the heading because. If you've been a Christian, you've heard this story before. And you already know how it ends. But when John wrote this and the first people read this, they didn't know the story and they didn't know how it ended. And I'm telling you that there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot going on in this story. And you know what? You and I are in that story. Because all of us have faced those times of frustration of difficulty when we're asking, why doesn't God do something about that? So while you're turning over to the scripture, uh, we want to go over here and talk a little bit about the series that we're uh, uh, going over. Next slide. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about how uh, there are times in our lives when we feel like God is inattentive, uncooperative, or late. And we've been, thought, you know, we've all gone through this, through this difficult time. So we look at three men in the Bible, in the New Testament, who Jesus knew, who Jesus believed and cared for, who Jesus used, who God loved, but at the same time went through these times of times where they felt that God was inattentive, uncooperative, or late. Amen. And, you know, the message today might not be very emotionally satisfying. But it's very important. It's very important because it's important for those t- those times that all of us go through. When you feel like you're just barely hanging on. You've been there. You feel like you're barely hanging on. Maybe by the thread of a thread. Or you're barely hanging on to faith. And it's at those times that it's important for us to understand how do we deal with the fact when God or we feel that God is being inattentive, uncooperative, or Late. Amen. So let's go over to John chapter 11. And so we see here, really, that these men, these are men that God cared for, that God loved. Yet they went through difficult times. And that's comfort for us, because what that says to us, is that if you're going through a tough time in your life, God cares for you and God loves you just as he did Now, this is how the story begins. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This is how the story begins. And really just, I want you to ignore the heading and just kind of go straight to the story. And he goes on and he says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, you know, for us, we read this, hey, this is great, but for the people in the first century who read this, as John inserted this in the passage, they said, oh, that Mary. You know, there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament, right? And they hear that story, oh, that, it was that Mary. I, I know who you're talking about. No. Now, I know, I know what you mean. So the sisters sent out word to Jesus, Lord... Now, check this out. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, think about that. The one you love is sick. How would you like to be known as the one that Jesus loved? You know, when people heard, hey, the one you love is sick. The disciples heard that, you know, they were with them, And they're like, oh, yeah, he's talking about Lazarus. I mean, that's how Lazarus was known. He was known as the one who, 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 uh, that Jesus loved. The Lord, the one you love, is sick. That's how he was known. You know, his name tag looks something like this. You know, his bumper sticker looks something like that. Say, I am the one that Jesus loved. Amen. So it goes on. and says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, do you understand what's going on right there? Jesus introduces a new that, a new category. He says, you know what? What's going on right here is for my glory. What are you saying? That that, that He's sick. And he's going through a difficult time. That's for your glory? Yeah. He says, no, it is for God's glory so that, purpose statement, God's Son may be glorified through it. Through what? Through the sickness. You know, God uses difficult times, tough times in our lives so that he may be glorified. Now, John is about to do something really important in this story because... He kind of inserts some commentary. And he inserts some commentary because John feels, you know what, this story is about to get crazy. This story is going to, about to take a crazy turn. And maybe if I don't explain this, some of the people that are hearing this story or reading this story, they're just going to stop in the middle. You know what I'm saying? And he says this. says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, And Lazarus. Now, why does he say that? Because John knows with what's going to come next, some of you are going to actually doubt that. Some of you are actually going to wonder, does Jesus really love Martha and her sister and Lazarus? And just what John wanted to know. Hey, listen, before we go on, I want you to understand something clear. okay? that Jesus loved Martha and her sister And Lazarus, you got to get that straight because what's going to happen next is going to make you think that he does not. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. So here you go. You hear the story. You know, they come. The messenger comes. He says, hey, listen. The one you love is sick. So the, the disciples just kind of start standing up. I guess we're going to Judea. Let's go. And Jesus said, no, no, no. He stayed, You know, sit down. We're not going yet. And he stayed two more days with his disciples. And then he said, let us go back to Judea. So Jesus purposely, purposely stayed back. And allowed Martha and her sister to nurse their brother till he died. They were caring for their brother till he died. And Jesus knew this. And he stayed back. And then he says, You know, let us go back to Judea. And then we have kind of a, an interesting little interaction here with his disciples. Because he says that, he said, let us go back to Judea. And as we read on. He says, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And you, you, yet you are going back. You know, they're, they're saying, hey, listen, remember last time we were there, they tried to stone you. And they're thinking, hey, you know, some of those rocks, if they throw at you, they might, might hit us. So, hey, you sure you want to go back? You know, they try and pretend like they really care about Jesus, but they're really thinking, hey, you know, I don't want to get stoned either. Right. And then it goes on. So Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Huh? His disciples said, What? You know, they're saying, hey, you know, we're going to go back to day." No, Jesus, you shouldn't go back. You know, they're going to stone you there and probably us, too. So, hey, you shouldn't go back. And, And Jesus said, no, let's go back. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Huh? What was that? And he keeps going and he says. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Oh, yeah, now we get it. That's really deep. But see, Jesus does something very important right here. And it's important that we kind of take time and pause and, and think about what he's doing. Because Jesus is actually taking this moment to teach an important lesson to the disciples. You know, we talked about 12 hours of daylight. That's talking about opportunity. And he's saying, you know what? There's there's an opportunity in the 12 hours of daylight for you to do something. But when it's dark, that opportunity is gone. And so what Jesus is saying right here is saying, hey, listen. I'm going to be with you only for a short while. There's a light in this world that's going to be around only for a short while. But there's going to come a time when that light's going to be snuffed out. And you're going to be in the darkness. And you should take advantage while that light here And listen, if you follow me to Judea, if you come with me and you come along, you are going to get a light. You're going to get a lamp that's going to guide you through those dark times. So when that light is snuffed out, you'll be able to keep your faith. You'll be able to hang on. You'll be able to persevere. So why don't you come with me to Judea? After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him. And he keeps talking and he says, uh, His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. They kind of start giving him medical advice. You know, he's always, I mean, he's just sleeping. I mean, what's the, we don't need to go back to Judea. I mean, Jesus is just sleeping. It's not a big deal. Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Pensaban que estaba dormido, no? Mimis. He was going mimis. <laughs> but then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now you got to hold on right here. Because Jesus is about to say possibly one of the most insensitive things in the entire Bible. Probably the most insensitive thing he ever said or one of two things insensitive that he said. I mean, this is intense. He said he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Wait a minute right here, Jesus. Are you saying you're glad that Lazarus died? You're glad that His sisters went through that difficult time in their lives. You're glad that they nursed them to death. You're glad that that they saw their brother die. Yeah. And you did it for us. Yeah. For our sake. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And he goes on. Says so that. See purpose statement. You may believe. But let us go. You know, Jesus, what is so important? What is so crucial? You know, why did you have to let him die? And you say, you know what's important? Is that in that tough time, in that difficult time that you are going to go through, that you and I are going to go through, you may believe. You may still trust God. You may still hold on. You may still hold on to your faith. You may still stand firmly on Jesus. That's why it's important. You know, it goes on and they head back. And they head back towards theirs. And, you know, and all of us have one of these. Have you guys ever seen Winnie the Pooh? Right. Everyone know who Eeyore is? is like oh, everything's bad and it's raining and you know life is bad and you know if you have you know three or more kids you everyone has an eeyore in their family you know kind of like oh no why are we gonna go here why are we gonna do there why are we gonna do that maybe your husband is an eeyore or maybe you know your dad was a Eeyore, right like, and you know it's, this is what's awesome about the Bible. Read, you gotta read your bible amen Read your Bible. I mean, this is awesome stuff. And so we have kind of this little situation, where, you know, and this is Thomas. This is also known as Didymus. Said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. <laughs> you know, let us go so we may die with Lazarus and die with Jesus. They're going to stone all of us. It's going to be a massive, grave and funeral. Let us go. I mean, that incredible? You can't read your Bible. Amen. Read your Bible. This is good stuff. So he gets there. He arrives. He says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, this is important. Four days. You know, Jew, uh, the Jews believed that the spirit, after someone died, hovered over the body for three days. And once the faith started to, faith started to decompose, the face started to change Which was after the third day, then that spirit would just fly off and say, hey, this is it. There's no more hope. This guy's dead. I'm gone. And so when they heard, you know, it was four days. What that means is that there was absolutely no hope left. Even in their own superstitious beliefs, there's no chance. Absolutely no chance. It's been four days. Now, look what happens right here, just the, the drama. And, and as we go on, I'm telling you, you and I are in this story. You and I have been there. I mean, I've been there. And it goes on and it says, jumped into verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Why do you think Mary stayed back? Why do you think? Why did she stay back? She was mad, right? She was angry. I mean, think about you're you're a friend of Jesus, and you've seen him heal Gentiles, you've seen him heal Romans, you've seen him heal all types of people. They're lying to people being healed by Jesus. And so they know, hey, we have a special relationship with Jesus. So when they sent messenger, they firmly expected that Jesus was going to come. So they sat there. They were nursing their brother. You know, they were taking turns. Mary would be wiping his forehead and then say, hey, Martha, go out there and wait and, and see if you see Jesus or send a messenger out. And they would take turns and they, they were nursing. And here was Lazarus without Morphine without any medical assistance. Dying in their arms. And they were thinking, you know what? Don't worry, Lazarus. Jesus is gonna come. You know, the messenger came back. They they said Jesus got the message. He's gonna come back. Don't worry about he'll he'll be here. And then Lazarus dies. And they thought, you know what? Well. There's still there's still a chance he could still come back. But it was four days. And you know, so Mary was mad. She said, what's going on? And you know what? Uh, Martha. Speaks to Jesus, she said exactly what you and I would say. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here. It's your fault. It's your doing. Why are you doing this? Why did you do this? You don't love us. You don't care about us. You care about the Romans. You care about the Gentiles more than you care about us. You ever been there? And he goes on and says. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You see, Martha, she's kind of struggling. She's like, you know, and and, and it's, you know, but, but I know that they still have power. I mean, she's just like hanging on, you know what I'm saying? She's like she's upset, she's angry, she's struggling, but she you know, I know I know you can do something. And the story continues. Jesus said to her, "Your brother will rise again." And Martha answered, you know, yeah, I know, I know. He's going to rise again at the resurrection. You know, it's kind of those things when people try to comfort you at difficult times. Say, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. And so, so Martha's kind of, in that mode, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. He's going to rise at the resurrection. Yeah, you know, it's, all, it's going to happen. We're all going to happen. We're all going to be resurrected if we believe in you. And then Jesus says something that only a crazy person would say to someone whose brother just died. Or maybe an imposter would say. Or maybe the son of God would say. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, Martha, you think that resurrection is an event. Yeah, and it is. You think it's going to happen at some time. Yeah, and it is. But listen, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You know, you don't make stuff like this up. You think about it, and that's what I love about the Bible. It's so real. You don't make this stuff up. And as it goes on here, The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asked a question that he asked Martha, that he asked every single one of us. When we're going through that tough, that difficult time when we feel like, hey, God, why don't you do something about that? And he says. Do you believe this? Hey, Martha, do you still trust me? Can you still put your weight on God? Do you still believe? I mean, do you still believe I love you? Do you believe this? And you know, it's, it's in those difficult and tough times when we're tested. You know, do you believe this? Do you really trust me? You know, when it's personal, when you feel like God is inattentive, uncooperative, or late, and you're asking, hey God, why don't you do something about this? Let me tell you, that's a hard spot to be in. At that moment when you think you're in the darkest point of the dark, and you're just sitting there and You're maybe on your knees and you're weeping, you're crying, you're wondering, wait, what's going on? And and God says, and Jesus says, hey, do you believe this? Do you still trust me? Do you still put your faith on me? And he asked this to Martha. Martha. Yes, she replied, and she goes into her own theological kind of response. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Yeah, you know, I believe. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe. And story goes on. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled he's heading here to the tomb. He's, he's heading to where Lazarus being been in tomb. He's going to about to be guided there. And, and he sees the morning and he's troubled. And we move on here. It says, where have you laid them? He asked. Come and see, the Lord replied. And surely Jesus knew where he was laid. And so they, they go on their way over there. And something happens. Either along the way. Or maybe when he arrived. And John records this simply by saying, Jesus wept. Knowing how the story was going to end. Knowing entirely what was going on. Understanding the purpose of his that that he created so that you and I would know what to do when we ask God, why don't you do something about that? In the midst of that, Jesus wept. And it's like, you know, Jesus saying, hey, listen, I'm not too big. I'm not too far. I'm not too distant to to not understand your pain. I'm not too distant to come down, come close to you and feel with you and feel your pain. And it's like Jesus, you know, those difficult times, those tough times, those struggling times. It's like Jesus going down and whispering in your ear, I know. I know. I know. I feel it too. He goes on and uh, we see the story. So Jesus it. Then Jesus said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Because why didn't he do something about that? I mean, look how much he loved him and, and look at what he did to so many people. Why couldn't he do this? And then Jesus goes up and it's a really awesome situation here that happens. And it's part of the story. Because Jesus goes up to the tomb, says, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He says, take away the stone. You think about you being there, you're like, take away the stone. Okay. And so he goes on and he does something here. And he's going to pray to God. And, you know, before we, I read this prayer to you, I want you to think of Jesus. Basically, what he does is this, which is it's pretty awesome. You know, Jesus kind of goes off in the distance and he can kind of prays out loud. And he says, you know, God, um, you and I know what's going on. We know what's happening here, but I'm really just praying here at this time. So that people know that I'm praying to you so that they know when I do this awesome thing that it really wasn't me, but it was really you and me reflecting you here on this earth. So, you know, I'm just doing it for their, you know, for their sake. So they could kind of see that you and I are close and, and that power is in you. So, uh, you know, did they get that? You know, is it time, can I say amen and we can go back and actually do the thing? And that's kind of what happened. so it says, but Lord said, Ma- Martha, I'm sorry, we were skipped back one uh, too far. Actually, I think it's it's uh, uh, one more over. Yeah, let's go back to the one we were. I'm sorry. There we go. PowerPoint. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for Days. And you know what I think Martha is doing right here? She's kind of twisting the knife. You know what I'm saying? Saying, you know, Jesus, by this time, it's, it's, it's been four days. You weren't even here at the funeral, you know what I'm saying? It's not he just died, it's been four days. I mean, you get that? He's been in the tomb four days. You know? And Jesus says this, it's very important. So then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, if you trust, if you keep your faith, you will see the glory of God. You know, in the midst of that tough time, in the midst of that difficult time, if you believe, if you hold on, if you persevere, Maybe you will see a glimpse of the glory of God. And then we go on. And, and so they took away the stone. And then Jesus says this prayer that we talked about here earlier. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And so, I mean, what happens here is awesome. It goes on. It says, When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And so Lazarus comes out. I mean, you can just imagine being there. Next slide. So says, The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grape clothes and let him go. Now you can imagine here, I mean, he takes off the, you know, the the stone is removed. He says, Lazarus, get out. And Lazarus comes out. He's got all the wrappings of the dead man, right? And why do you think he has to say, hey, take off the grape clothes and let him go? Because no one was making a move towards Lazarus. I mean, Lazarus comes out I mean, you can just imagine the mummy, right? He's coming out and and people were like, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, not even Mary or Martha, you know. So so Jesus is smiling, you are know, like, this is awesome. And Jesus is like, hey, go go take his, you know, his his uh, funeral wrappings off, you know. And and they're like, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. You do it. You know, you do it. I ain't going to do it. And so Lazarus is resurrected. Next slide. It says, therefore, and this is kind of an understatement. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seeing what Jesus did, believed in him. I bet they did. I mean, you think about this story just spread like wildfire. When there was no hope, where where there was no chance, Jesus came and he raised Lazarus from the dead. You know, we go back to our question. Why doesn't God, next slide, do something about that? You know, when the Jews said that, and they, hey, now we believe. Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days means that there is nothing, nothing, nothing God cannot do. Why doesn't God do something about that? You know the answer to that question? We don't really know. But we we know these things. Next slide. We know that He can. And we know that sometimes He waits. And we know that we can trust Him in the meantime. Why doesn't God do something about that? I mean, God, why don't you do something about that? Well, we know He can. And we know sometimes He waits. And we know we can trust Him in the meantime. You know, God, why don't you stop this? Why don't you you get rid of this? Take it away. We know He can. And we know sometimes He waits. And we know we can trust Him in the meantime. Why? Why? Because if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you hang on, if you keep your faith, even when you're holding on by a strand of a strand, if you hold on, you will see the glory of God. You know, I encourage you this morning to take heart of God's message. That when God is. In your mind, in my mind, inattentive, uncooperative, or late. Sometimes it's like what happened with John the Baptist. It's so he can come out of his own reality and see the real reality. Or maybe sometimes it's like what happened with Paul. That it's in that weakness, in that difficult time, that he can really receive God's grace. Or sometimes it's like this when God is late. So that maybe in that time of struggle, of difficulty, of tough times, when it's personal, when it's down home, you can maybe catch a glimpse of the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray for the Lord's Supper. Uh, Father, uh, we just thank you this morning. We thank you this morning as you've guided us here through your scriptures and allow us to understand. The answer to a very important question is why don't you do something about that? It's a question that we've all asked. And Father, this time we apologize for the times when we doubted you. The times when we've lost our faith. The times when we've gotten angry or upset. Father, help us. Help us to grasp this lesson. And to truly make it a part of our lives. God, at this time as... This light was given to the apostles, and we could just imagine this story, what it meant for them when they went through that difficult time when your son Jesus died on that cross. This story helped them to understand why it was happening and why they should persevere and why they should preach this gospel, this gospel, this answer to this question to the entire world. So as we meditate in Jesus' death and as we meditate on the cross and And his body and his blood that was hurt and spilled for our sake. I pray, Father, that we connect with you more than ever. And that we understand that in spite of tough and difficult times, you love us, you care for us, and you are close to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.